0: The following is a conversation with author, podcaster, advocate, and activist, Jeff Thomas Black. He is the author of the audiobook podcast and substack titled Full-Closure Awakening from the Human Exploitation of the DoorDash Singularity. Jeff and I talk about his time as a DoorDash delivery person, and we do a deep dive regarding his research about manipulation and exploitation tactics used by the app-based gig economy company algorithms and much more. This conversation is not for the faint of heart and takes a critical look at aspects every app-based gig worker faces, regardless of whether or not they wish to acknowledge the pitfalls of the platforms. I hope you enjoy it as much as I did. From high atop the bottom of the Willamette Valley and wherever you may be, my name is Tim. You have returned to the Rideshare Beware YouTube channel. Welcome back to my living room. When I first started this channel, I was wondering how long it would be before I would be able to talk with either of those that influenced me or those introducing alternatives to the cliche conversations surrounding the gig economy. I didn't want my channel to have the dead blow droning of the typical advice and warnings so common to gig tube channels. I wanted conversation that would induce thoughtfulness and alternative reasoning to the gig co- gig economy conversations. My next guest I believe, does just that, and I think his journey is just getting started to what I believe will be fruitful endeavors. He is the author of Full Dash Closure, the book and the podcast, and dare I say, The Movement. He's done a tremendous amount to help propel my channel, and I thank him dearly for that. Please welcome author, podcast, and activist, Jeff Thomas Black. Thank you so much, sir, for being here.
1: My pleasure, Tim. Thank you for inviting me.
0: So to set the foundation for the conversation, uh, I want to dig into a concept that you introduce in your book pertaining to DoorDash, and that is market simulation. Um, Can you address and articulate that concept for listeners and tell us how that pertains to DoorDash or any other gig company?
1: Sure. Sure. And not just actually to to DoorDash or any gig company, although it does, but to every... Thing and everyone that interacts with an app. So, what is an app? An app is not the internet, an app is not unfiltered information. An app, the entire concept of an app is that it is a closed system which has a functionality and a purpose. And in that closed system, you as a app user, whether you're in the gig economy, driving for Uber or doing last mile delivery for DoorDash, or whether you're a consumer trying to order your lunch, you are getting the information that is served to you in this app from an inorganic simulated market as opposed to real market data, that is balanced out by supply and demand and finds a market price by that. And so what's what's the important part of a simulation is if you're not subject to market forces, then you can set your prices as you wish. You can set your conditions and rules as you wish. So what an app becomes is the world that you step into when you use it. And I don't think any of us, certainly not myself, who spent two years uh, actually delivering last mile delivery for DoorDash, completely understood what we were getting into when we signed up for apps and started using these apps as our way to interact with shopping, as our way to interact with work, and labor, and as our way to interact with with consumer uh, choices, and so we all have to take a step back and realize that if you believe in capitalism and the market economy and all of those things, and you know you'll hear you'll hear propaganda about how other systems are bad and other systems are good. Well, the fact is. That apps are not free market capitalism. Apps are their own little monopolies. App is a little monopoly on the information that you're going to be fed. So, if you're a consumer, the monopoly on information when you go to the DoorDash app is you're going to order from merchants and restaurants that signed up with DoorDash to be on their app and be part of their world.
0: A closed off ecosystem.
1: Yet the other ones, who
0: didn't right? right and
1: so if you're if you're a laborer and you get offered an independent contract a one-off task to do something that task is not based upon minimum wage or the going rate for labor in your community that task is based upon whatever it is that DoorDash decided to pay for that task to be done because DoorDash in their own little world of the DoorDash Dasher app controls both the supply and demand for labor at all times. So this is why when I say that any choice that is served to you as a Dasher, as a gig app laborer is is a choice that was served to you. It's not organic. You are not really making any selections at all. You might be selecting from what is served to you but you're not being served all of the options you're not being served from a market system you're being served by ai that knows what you've accepted before what you've declined before what your behaviors are what your uh, status is today and any other rules that they want to put upon you and then if they decide they don't want you anymore they can kick you off their platform with out any recourse for you. So so what we have here again when you step into an app is you're stepping into the world of a corporation. And unfortunately corporations have have typically been been anthropomorphized as psychopaths because they are not social beings. They are not humanistic. They don't have your interests at heart or even a good lunch for you in their plans. They want to exploit you and profit from you.
0: They and want to keep you in this about it, myopic ecosystem to control.
1: It. That's right. The gig economy is created to exploit labor, exploit consumers and exploit restaurants and merchants. That's what it's about. That's what AI does. It is exploits all those constituencies better, more effectively more comprehensively than any of us can even comprehend with 6 million predictions a second about what you're going to do next. They know what you're going to do next in the DoorDash Dasher app better than you do.
0: So with gig work as a prime example of how technology has outpaced regulation, uh, gig workers find themselves in quandaries such as we just talked about And then also in quandaries such as misclassification, uh, being covertly stripped of workers' rights, etc. So the question is, can technology that has outpaced regulation somehow also help to excavate us from what were essentially unseen pitfalls of gig work? Or do you think that the weight of change rests solely on the shoulders of those that are being affected, uh, the drivers, etc.? And I want to offer a quote from your book right here. DoorDash's goal of quote building lost last mile logistics infrastructure, uh, they do nothing of the sort by design. Uh, so when I think of last mile delivery, especially when I was in the workforce, um, I would think of places like UPS, FedEx, and perhaps some independent contractors. Um, someone that was due to their specific skill set, experience, perhaps seniority, was offered a task through a company um, to. To focus on their last mile services. Now uh, we have companies like Walmart that employ Uber Eats drivers or DoorDash drivers to, uh, to take care of these last mile scenarios under what you were just talking about, um, a, a, a very um, covertly constructed ecosystem, a very myopic ecosystem where they decide how much the task is worth. And also kind of who gets it. So it may it may not wind up being the best or um the most thoughtful driver or whatever. It may just be who's closest or more um in a more sinister pattern somebody that has a higher acceptance rate. So um I guess can technology dig us out of that as much as it's put us in it or can uh, is it solely on us um a workforce that is ever shifting 60 to 70% of gig workers wind up leaving the gig workforce after six months. Is it up to them and up to us to make the bigger change?
1: So first, the first thing that we want to say about AI, which is we can just call these systems AI, artificial intelligence in general. Not not that it's, you know, it's not one algorithm, right? It's an entire system that is putting out output, to the app, so output to a Dasher that presents an offer, output to a consumer that presents the restaurant options. By their nature, they are biased in a couple different ways. AI is trained on human behavior. And what are humans? We have biases. And so depending upon the data set that engineers choose to train their AI, The AI comes out with our biases and that happens in AI art with racial profiles and all kinds of social things because biases are put in there for majorities of populations as opposed to realities of population demographics because AI is not the world. AI is a trained computer simulation. Okay. So, Those biases are in there both from humans and then the development of AI is coming from the corporate world, from Google, from Microsoft, from uh, the Japanese one is called, starts with a B. Oh, I can't remember. So uh, AI is coming from the corporate world, from DoorDash, from Uber. Now that AI is obviously being designed with nothing but, a profit motive. And the technical term, hilariously enough, for what data scientists and system engineers are doing with AI is called exploitation. So by definition, these systems are created to exploit humans and human markets, human businesses, human economies. So the answer to your question, unfortunately, is that Technology, just like oligarchs, will not save us from itself. Oligarchs won't save us from oligarchs. Technology is not going to save us from technology. Corporations won't save us from corporations. Uh, nuclear bombs probably won't save us from nuclear bombs.
0: Right, <laughs> that's a great one. Um,
1: so, 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 what the challenge that we have is that we've gone down this road, and now we've got the we've got our own bias, which is called status quo bias. And the status quo is the gig economy is here. The gig economy exists and we can't do anything about it. Now the cat's out of the bag. Uber exists, DoorDash exists, Lyft exists, Walmart, Spark exists. So here's my answer to the status quo bias. Bullshit. Just because Pandora escaped the box doesn't mean we now have to turn out the lights on humanity and be exploited for the rest of time. What we're looking at, in my opinion, with the gig economy in total is fraud, corporate fraud, financial fraud, uh, labor fraud, labor laundering, money laundering, global money laundering. We're looking at an insidious system that was designed to steal the last vestiges of labor rights from humanity. So will that system be able to be legislated into fairness or or capped or ruled or anything else, the answer is no. And, and here's why the Labor Department's ruling makes no difference whatsoever. It might make a difference for the larger set of independent contractors, like let's say a financial advisor or Uh, a roofer who's an independent contractor, there's all kinds of independent contractors that are not part of the gig economy. Now they're in a market-based economy, right? They're not, unless they're on a gig app for roofers, they're in a market-based economy competing for roofing jobs. As soon as that becomes a closed system within, within an application, then it's subject to bias. So, to step back and say that these inorganic markets must be shut down is not a big leap because they can't be fixed. And, and we've seen that every time a local regulation or law comes up, uh, the gig app, the gig economy companies spend millions of dollars locally. They spend seven million dollars a year uh, collectively in in uh, lobbying to our, to our legislators and regulators, they own the system. So as long as we keep playing this game, they're gonna own us. And the, what I wanted to get to in terms of this labor ruling, let's say that we may wave the magic wand and Uber, drivers all become employees of Uber today and Doordash uh, last mile delivery drivers, Dashers become employees of Doordash won't make any difference. The only way it would make any difference is if the entire system changed and they were start they were paid based upon hourly pay and living wage or hourly wage minimum wage according to their local statutes as everyone else' is but if they were paid an hourly rate by the standards of any locality, they would lose even more money than they're losing per order today and immediately go out of business. Because the gig economy is also based on the fact that it will never be an inorganic market. As soon as you put the gig economy companies in an organic market, the illusion's dead, it breaks and dies.
0: So do you think that the the concept of an inorganic market completely um, decimates the thoughts of having alternative classifications?
1: Yeah, I think it. I think it's meaningless, and 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 this is why legislators and regulators will not save us from this menace because they can't.
0: That was going they to be my next it. question. Yeah,
1: that they, they, they don't have the knowledge, the foresight, or even the access because these systems are called black box AI systems, and there's a couple of things about black box AI systems. One is that their outputs are impossible to understand in totality. So because of that, we don't really know how they're calculated and we can't really believe in their veracity or their honesty or their information. And the same thing goes with with working with these apps, uh, If you trust an app to run your independent contractor business or your employment, you're giving essentially godlike trust to a corporation assuming that they will not exploit you as a human being and as labor or as a consumer or as a merchant or restaurant. That's That's a terrible assumption. They've and just-
0: that um, that uh, lack of transparency also bolters your previous argument about having an inorganic ecosystem that my that myopic ecosystem if you the, the less information you have the more that that bolsters that concept
1: that's right and the 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 insidious part is that the gig economy and apps didn't just stop at gaming us with an inorganic market they game the offers by withholding known data so, their, their gaming The gig economy games their gig app labor to an extent that is truly despicable and criminal and shameless because they did not get informed consent from any of these users to be exploited, to be deceived, to be bait and switched, to be coerced, and to be gaslighted mentally by these apps. And that's that's the part is that these apps don't just direct our physical bodies, they direct our emotions, they direct our reward and and penalty, you know, our, our reward centers, our, our dopamine, our charge that we get from from the sounds that our smartphone
0: our makes. anxiety,
1: our anxiety, all of those things, depression. If you look at the gig app content creators on YouTube, you would think that any of them over time have a mental disorder because they're completely schizophrenic, even within a shift. You can see them get excited. You can see them get angry. You can see them melt down. You can see them throw a tantrum. You can see them celebrate again. It's its just hideous to watch when you know that they're just, they're just animals on the end of a chain that's just being jerked by a corporate AI system. And and they think they're making decisions. They think they're they think they're gaming DoorDash. They think they're cherry-picking. They think they use all these different terms that empower their decisions within this closed system. But it's just an illusion. It's just an illusion that the system has set out a target uh, for them of the amount that they'll earn, of how they're going to be utilized. And every move they make, the system responds with another move.
0: I have a great question for you we right there. Win. I have a great okay. question for you right there. Okay. Given what you just said, if the the term flexibility always comes up in terms of gig uh, economy work. Do you Is there any way that you could truly steel man an argument for flexibility in the gig economy?
1: No more than I could uh, make an argument for flexibility, meaning that you put your ankles behind your ears. Uh, <laughs> It's it it it's not gonna do anything for your life and it will probably break you
0: I just because it's anybody that's done uh rideshare driving for any amount of time knows that even in robust markets, it's really hard to make consistent money at every hour of the day. There's those predetermined hours, your morning airport, corporate people, and your bar hours. To say that everything in between is flexible and as um, as robust as as that is, is absolutely foolish. And I think, again, that's one of the reasons why there's so much turnover is because people walk into that fallacy thinking that they can just turn the app off, sleep in until 10 o'clock, 11 o'clock, and everybody's done going to work and everybody's on lunch break and they think that they can just walk out and make $150. It's not the case on – I've been on probably – easily seven or eight apps over the last year. And I still have an app that I can find that I can consistently find uh, $20 an hour plus at 10 o'clock in the morning. It just doesn't exist. Right. The flexibility is a lie. It's the bait and switch that they
1: used for PR and for legislators and regulators to justify the fact that they're paying below minimum wage in net income.
0: Say that again, if you don't they mind. said,
1: They said, no, 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 no. Don't worry about minimum wage. Don't worry about net income. Don't worry about expenses. What our labor force, because we know our labor force, they're not like any other labor force. They're different. What they want is not money. That's not their motivator. They want flexibility. Yeah. That's what these guys crave, which is, of course, absurd. Nobody works for flexibility. We work for money. If somebody said, hey, I'm going to give you an hour of employment for your flexibility. You'd say no. So so prima facie, as usual, their argument is absurd and a lie. And again, let's take one step back again. Let's say that you're a different kind of a contractor in the physical world, not in a gig app. If I said, uh, Tim, I want you to come roof my house and uh, give me a bid on it, so, uh, and you say, okay, great. Uh, when can I be there? I said, now, you know, I can't, I can't really let you see the house, but it's 2000 square feet and it's a single level. So just give me a price. And you're not going to do that. Cause you've been in business too long. You have no idea how many gables there are. You don't know what the roof line looks like. You don't know if a simple ranch, if it's a simple ranch or some kind of a custom thing, that's going to take you a million years to do and and that's what these gig app companies have done and gotten away with amazingly right under the noses of our legislators and regulators who are asleep at the wheel is is to allege that independent contractors are making decisions when they're not giving them the sufficient and necessary information to even make a logical decision so the entire thing is
0: a lie not I, only that but they'll be they'll change it midstream so yeah. you're supposed you're an independent contractor you called for that roofing thing I'm on, we've agreed on a bid. I'm on my way to come fix your roof. You call me and say, Hey, we don't need you anymore, but there's some guy four blocks over. I don't know what he needs, but you need to go there. Now they do the same thing when you're out driving with a uh, Lyft, for instance, I'm on my way to pick up Jeff. Right. He's going to the airport. And then I get, I'm within a mile of you and I get switched off to another customer who somehow got prioritized. I agreed to one trip. And I supposedly as an independent contractor, I'm I'm contractually obligated to. And then they just switch me off to this other person. How is that flexible at all? If I cancel that trip, I get penalized and, I, and my, and my account is at risk. So like
1: flexibility is one of their key words for bait and switch. And, and for sure. wine, <laughs> right. Uh, it, it is absolutely insane that a company could use an inorganic market to provide gamed information to people to coerce them into situations where they're not just not making minimum wage. They're not just failing to uh, make something minimum wage. They might even be losing money on an independent contract. And so since each independent contract is by definition, you got it independent. One has nothing to do with the next one, right? That's, that's the rules of the independent contract game. You have a contract, you go do it. Now you're unemployed again. You're waiting for another contract. So by the rules of that game, if they give me one contract for which they know and I know I'm going to lose money, but they tell me I have to do it to get rewards in heaven or get stars or to get status, that's that's slavery.
0: Mm-hmm. That's
1: slavery. You are forcing people to work, lose it for nothing, for losing money. And they've been able to justify this gaming, this coercion of getting people that are the most vulnerable laborers in our society to get fleeced to lose money on labor and that's why i just i hate these guys i i don't just dislike them i find them to be evil and repulsive because they know what they're doing tony sue the guest shark knows exactly what he's doing that he's monopolizing markets and exploiting humanity and DoorDash's goal is to replace FedEx and UPS and your postal service for local delivery with an army of app slaves around the world. God knows what they'll be paid, if anything. Exactly. And they'll all be managed without any employees, without any operations, without any capital investments, without without any risk. Because who carries all the risk in the world of gig apps? The labor. So if yep. you're losing money or not making money, your risk of your vehicle, that's on you. Your risk of your time, if you're sitting in a parking lot unused, that's on you. Mm-hmm. Your risk of bad outcomes from getting gamed on contracts, that's on you. Your risk of inflation, because you know all these companies, they celebrate inflation because they get a higher percentage from the raised prices in their commissions. And we make less money as... As gig economy workers, because our gas went up, the price of our eggs went up, and everything else. And so, if anybody that's been doing the gig economy since pandemic times knows that it's just been this constant race to the bottom, this just ever present daily race to the bottom
0: and sure jeff maybe you're making less money but we tell you where you're going now isn't that great oh we're not going to tell you how <laughs> your wages are calculated but now you know where you're going you've been asking for it for a decade you won't mind if we just take an extra seven percent here and there arbitrarily do you well the yeah.
1: the, the wisdom when i started this and, and the first thing i did when i started is i before i started is i logged on to youtube and i saw who who put out videos on this weird thing called doordash and what were they doing and how are they doing it? And is this something I even wanted to attempt to do during this pandemic shutdown? Uh, and the the conventional wisdom that you would have seen in 2020 when I started, which is almost three years ago now, uh, was that don't take anything below 750. If it's below 750, just decline it. If you did that now, you'd probably spend an entire day and not get a single order. So, so it hasn't just dropped a little bit. It's dropped a lot because I, I just as on a lark, I turned the app on uh, when I was in town a couple of weeks ago, and I got offers for225 and three dollars and two dollars and just just absurd stuff. So part of this is because our economy is having a rough time, Because the pandemic's over, because the pandemic uh, extra cash that was put out there is gone, there are more laborers coming into the gig economy anxious and desperate for income than ever before. And so what that means in these closed markets is that they can now pay less than ever before and have a never-ending supply of, of gig labor. Yep. And so, the human beings in the gig economy and in corporate AI are a lost cause. Don't do it. I mean, it's it, it thinking you're going to win against corporate AI is no different than thinking you're going to go beat the the chess computer that's beat all the grandmasters in the world. You're not gonna you're not gonna win. Chess has been solved by computer AI. You will never win.
0: To your point?
1: never win against corporate AI. Never.
0: The point that you just made um, addresses something that has bugged me since I kind of started shouting back at the machine, and that's that when I speak to other drivers or other gig workers, the biggest pushback that I receive is, well, if you don't like it, then just quit. But the point that you just made is very salient in that, you know, now things are getting out of control inflation-wise and cost-wise. I mean, my auto insurance literally just yesterday went up $80. And my rent went up 80 bucks. So I'm $160 in in deficit starting this month uh, that I wasn't the last 12 months. So when that starts hitting everybody, and like you said, now you have more and more people entering this workforce, that argument that if you don't like it, just quit, almost becomes a moot point because now everybody's starting to need it. What they don't- Right. Quit to what? Yeah, exactly.
1: to, to, to what end?
0: And more importantly, um, which is why I appreciate you, is that, you know, at least we're looking at it from a 30,000 foot perspective, trying to say that, well, if you don't like it, then just quit. But if you quit, you're ignoring the fact that it's also going to start these um, algorithms and these tactics and these manipulation tactics are going to start infiltrating the traditional workspaces. And our children, yeah, oh, yeah. are not, yeah, absolutely. And it's not, our, our kids aren't going to know what it's like to have an HR person uh or a uh, a payroll representative to go to when there's idiosyncrasies in their pay or you know a manager to go to when somebody's pushing back on them or bullying them at work they're just going to think that getting deactivated by an algorithm is normal and these circumstances that we're walking into now with these higher costs of living and the reliance the the ingratiation of these gigat companies to come in on the reliance of this extra income uh you know with that entering our psyche it makes it harder to push back and regulate on those because now everybody needs them it's a trap yeah
1: Uh, the gig economy is a total trap and you know here here's why so let's let's go to this labor force overall and this is this is a conversation i've had with some other uh broadcasters in this space the gig economy labor force Has always been here. There has always been a low wage, minimal skill requirement labor force in the United States. The gig economy innovated nothing for anyone other than exploitation. And if the gig economy disappeared with that snap of my fingers, our labor force would still be right here, ready to work in the real world, ready to even do fruit service, or do some of the things that gig apps do, but in the real world with real humans and real labor standards and real labor protections and real minimum wage even, which would be a grand pay increase for most of these folks. There's a couple problems with that. Number one, gig economy doesn't necessarily always translate into the same type of hours and circumstances that are available in the in the physical world, in the in the in the world of of, of employment. Now, that's that's not an excuse for the gig economy because I'm still going to say there's no innovation in the gig economy other than human exploitation. It offers no value. It only takes money from our economy, from our merchants and restaurants from our consumers, and from our laborers. That's what the gig economy does, is it siphons off money from the economy better than any invention in the history of humanity. It's amazing, they did, they're freaking evil geniuses. Two thumbs up. So, so this labor force that we are part of, that, that we're all part of as human beings is gonna be here. The gig economy, and that's, that's why the status quo bias is shooting ourselves in the foot. I want to be, may, stay an independent contractor. I don't want to be an employee. I want to get a 1099. They don't even know what they're arguing for because they don't know the game that they're playing is a losing game, period. Not sometimes a losing game, always a losing game, every time. And so, again, I would say, if that snap of the fingers killed the gig economy... All the labor's still here. All the food's still here. All the consumers are still here. All the workers are still here. You see how we don't lose anything? You see how the gig economy added nothing to our lives other than more billionaires like Tony Hsu, Andy Fang, and Stanley Tang, who created this monster in Stanford's startup garage course and then got millions and billions of dollars to finance this global scheme? (laughs) I, I wrote in the book, I think the first chapter something that that as I was starting my research on this, even after two years of, of driving as a dasher, I would scream out in horror with my research as I learned these things step by step, because the exploitation of humanity, markets and businesses in the gig economy is so profound and so extreme. It's, it's beyond any worst nightmare that I as a very experienced uh, consultant with a master's in business from Duke University. It's it's more than I ever imagined could even be possible. And that's AI, right? AI can do things and analyze data, which is all we are in a gig app. We're just little chunks of data. You're not Tim, I'm not Jeff. We're a chunk of data in a computer that somebody's making money off of, a lot of money off of. So so all that's happening is it's just it's just taking this data and it's using it and we're being used and we do not have any value. We are ubiquitous. There are millions and billions of humans to be used by the evil empires that were, were started with Uber and DoorDash, both of whom, by the way, are involved with SoftBank, one of the one of the great funders of, of startup scams across the world. I mean, this is... This is, again, global market monopolization. This is global labor laundering and money laundering. It's hideous. And and the fact that it exists only is because it's such a paradigm change that our legislators and regulators didn't even know what to do with it. And even if they did know, they can't see inside the black box. There's no way to regulate DoorDash because you can't see inside. You don't know what that thing is actually doing and you never can know what that thing is doing. You can shut it down. Right. So it doesn't kill you. Sure. Exploit you, or you can be exploited. And that's, that's the dichotomy that we have here and why we have to fight this status quo bias because us humans, we're here and we're staying here. And we've always been here. The gig economy just kind of sailed in on the pandemic when we were all Locked in our houses and going nuts, and and couldn't get the groceries or food or labor that we wanted to to get at that time.
0: So one other X factor. Continuing
1: existence is is just anti-human, literally anti-human.
0: So one other X factor that I see in all that is how easily these things become politicized, and I think that that's just part of our human condition, especially given you know the last several years in our Western politics, but. Do you think there's any way that we can keep politics out of the conversation long enough to actually address uh the technological issues because it seems like if I advocate for alternative classifications or if I advocate for um workers rights now I'm a I'm a libtard if I if if I say anything about becoming Um, You know, edging towards the employee based model. Now I'm a now I'm a hillbilly and a Trump supporter. I'm trying to, you know, aim for conversation about the middle, because like you were saying earlier, you know, this is such an unprecedented time in labor. We've never really seen anything like this before. And the people that the people that are using it are the ones that are outpacing regulations. It's in their hands. And so we have to start forcing a different way of thinking a different conversation about solutions other than the old school, like you were saying, independent contractor versus employee model. Do you think there's a way of getting people out of that, uh, that, that antiquated pocket of thinking where it has to be red or blue, black or white?
1: Right. It's all about, it's all about the pay, uh, the risk, the benefits. And, And by the way, on let's, let's just talk about risk for one second on risk alone, we take out everything but risk, putting all corporate risk, operational risk, time risk, inflationary risk, and business risk on America's and the world's most vulnerable labors is despicable, unthinkable. And that's what the gig economy, again, is based upon, is the fact that they didn't have to, they're gonna use the poor people's car, and they're going to use the poor people's risk. And they're going to use the poor people's time and the poor people's labor. You know, it's a great deal for them. It's, it's a great deal for the gig economy. But it's it's never a great deal for the, for the gig worker. Because as soon as you put that business risk into it, the risk reward ratio doesn't pan out. And I found that out myself. I did probably in a couple years and 40,000 miles of driving, I probably did about $8,000 of damage and maintenance needed to my car to do that. So by the time you you take off my expenses and the risk, which is inherent in last mile delivery, which is, by the way, a top 10 most dangerous job, just so you know, think of how, think of how excited a corporation was to rid themselves of, of the employment of people that do a top 10 most dangerous job. Do you know one out of every five Amazon delivery drivers was injured on the job in 2021? Wow. One out of every five. So again, when you take that number, think how those guys are high-fiving themselves in the boardroom that all that risk is now on you and me and not on them. Sure. It's, It's just absolutely absurd. So can regulators and legislators do anything about it?
0: And how do you get the general populace to stop politicizing it and actually start aiming for solutions about it?
1: Well, okay, so first of all, that was my motivation in writing this book and taking on this, this movement, if you will, is that 99% of the people in the gig economy don't understand the world that they're working in. And so they're being deceived on so many levels, including just the operational day to day level and the personal autonomy level, right? This is, they being their emotions and their energy and time are being taken and used in a way that they never agreed to because these people think essentially that it's no different than you know watching taxi on TV and you know you've got a dispatcher that's that gets orders and then calls them out to the drivers and the drivers get them and then go do the thing it's nothing of the sort 15 restaurants and 15 drivers, have over a trillion combinations for delivery. Just 15 to the 15th power, if you enjoy math, go go put it in your calculator. So it's not like taxi. So, so this is a reason that the politicization has to stop is that we're politicizing something that is completely not understood. Once we understand it, If you want to make the argument to me that with informed consent, you're going to go into a closed environment labor contract where you're managed by AI and here's that labor contract, I can see that model. Am I excited about it? No, but we're back to the human world again. And in the human world, we don't want to be used without our permission. We want informed consent. And so that's, to me, informed consent and transparency is the linchpin to what is good versus what is bad. If you're using humans without transparency and without informed consent, you're an evil motherfucker. That's what you are. And that's the entire gig industry. Now, if we get to a point with technology where people consent to an application that is going to employ them under conditions that are transparent. Okay. I'm not going to tell you how to live your life. If that's the style of work that you want to do, and that's a model that works, do it, but at least, you know, but again, let's go back to the problem with informed consent and transparency. The gig economy falls apart. It does not exist. DoorDash is losing more money per order than any time in the last 10 years. So if they're losing money, a dollar and some odds, a dollar and 40 cents or something like that, every time a delivery happens, DoorDash is losing. Why are they doing that? Because that's an investment in global app slavery. They are monopolizing markets. They are monopolizing markets of labor in 27 different nations around the world. Are they willing to lose money on last mile deliveries to monopolize labor in 27 countries? You're damn right they are, because that's a real investment. So the whole thing is the, the gig economy is a red herring. The gig economy is a way to enslave humans to AI and a way to get humans to do it and maybe even like it enough to keep advocating for their own exploitation because they don't know. I mean, this is see how circular this is. See how let me
0: play how, devil's advocate really quick right there. Um, I'll play devil's advocate. So yeah. Uh, okay. So I just um I just entered the country from X nation. Uh, I'm an undocumented person. I, I've never really made any real money in my life. I get on this app and holy cow! This weekend I cleaned up. I made eight hundred dollars. It took me an entire six months to a year to make that what do you say to somebody like that
1: again i would say that that
0: is it sort of the but, counter to the politicization right, right. it's like now yeah
1: it but human exploitation is not a good trade-off for quick labor there have there have always been employment agencies there empl- i lived in an immigrant community in oregon that was about half russian immigrants and about half Hispanic immigrants. It was primarily a, a agricultural community. And there are labor agencies everywhere connecting the local laborers with the local agricultural uh, producers and companies. So again, this labor force has always been here. There's always been ways for people to come. But those things are regulated. They might be poorly regulated, but they're at least regulated with human standards. The problem with the gig economy, and we've seen it, is you get people that are so desperate, they're sleeping in their cars to work, they're driving 16 hours a day, they're they're doing very unhealthy things that doesn't just put the risk on them as a human being, the risk is also on society. You've got millions of distracted drivers stuck in emotional turmoil on their smartphones driving around our streets all day every day and they're killing people that's proven it's not it's not hyperbole the distracted drivers of the gig industry could kill you or me or our family members that's how bad it is and everyone knows this but the gig economy because it is what it is it's based upon human exploitation doesn't care because If you get in a wreck and kill somebody while you're driving Uber, they don't know you. They never did know you. (laughs) Okay. So it's not their problem. It's society's problem. It's the problem for the people who died and their family, but it's not Uber's problem.
0: Sure. Yeah.
1: Here's, Here's the deal, though. That's a conscious corporate decision, just like pumping out. Drugs into the market that are going to get people addicted is a corporate decision to get people addicted to opioids.
0: Collateral damage.
1: Putting out drivers all over the road that are looking at two, three, four smartphones at once, multi-apping with gig apps has cost to our society negative externalities of car wrecks and people getting killed and people getting grievously injured and everything else without any accountability whatsoever. So this dirty secret completely, again, what about mothers against drunk driving? I mean, drunk driving's got nothing on the people on gig ops. Now, drunk driving in the United States absolutely does not cause the mayhem that the gig economy does. And I've I've hit on the <laughs> mothers against drunk driving, driving a couple times because sooner or later they're going to get this. And here's part of my research when I looked into this is that, on both Android and Apple platforms, the technology to silence all notifications while this thing is in motion is in every app. That's native to app design to silence these notifications while we're in motion. And in other words, to not distract drivers and not get people killed. Now, do DoorDash, Uber, Lyft, and everybody else silence this thing? No, because they've got money to make. They've decided that a few dead or a lot of dead humans around the world are less important than making sure that you get five DoorDash offers between here and where you and two miles down the road, which you will. Right. And if you want to keep working and not get logged out, you're going to have to keep touching this screen and keep declining these offers and keep giving the reason you just these offers and everything else. They're going to make you interact with this thing so many times they're going to drive you crazy if they don't drive you off the road or into another car. And again, I've experienced it myself. I have made more terrible decisions, more accidents, dings and mishaps in last mile delivery driving than in my entire other 52 years <laughs> of life and 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 whatever, 38 years of driving or whatever the math comes out to be. I, I don't know, what, eight, 16, 54, what? 38 years of driving, I think that does come out to me. So, 38 years of driving in the two years of gig app driving, I did more damage to a vehicle than in any of those other 36 years. There is no question in my mind. And when I turned on the app, when I was in town a couple of weeks ago to look at it, I almost drove off the road. And then I reminded myself what a freaking hazard this is. So, So it doesn't matter how you keep piling this thing up. The rabbit hole goes to the center of the earth. The way that this thing is exploiting humanity without consequences, and without regard to even human life. So again, I'm going to say the gig economy is anti-human by design. They are willing to take your life, your money, and your time and not compensate you for it and not be accountable
0: for it. So speaking of consequences and anti-human, that walked right into my next question. This was actually from someone else that emailed me with a question. It's um, And I had a little bit of trouble... Uh, answering it. So I, I'm going to throw this in your lap because I think I think you'll have a good perspective on it. The question is, do you think the platforms intentionally create friction between drivers and the driver community? Or do you think that the friction between drivers is just simply a byproduct of the algorithmic manipulation that was unintended?
1: I think that the, it's all intended. Uh, they certainly intend it between Drivers and consumers definitely, because it's the old uh, it's the old misdirection. If drivers hate consumers and consumers hate drivers, nobody's looking at DoorDash. Who's the real uh, who's the real perpetrator? Sure. So, are they creating rivalry between drivers? Absolutely, because since since drivers don't so there's a couple. Number one, it's realistic because if you think about it in a system, the more labor you put into that system, the less any share of the pie is for the labor that you put into that system. So if we dump another million in there, then we gotta divide it up and and it's diluting, right? Just like a stock, it's diluting the labor pool and diluting the, the pay that's gonna be made. And since there are no standards in the gig economy, there are no rules. It is rational for one gig worker to resent another gig worker's presence because, in a sense, they are going to take money out of their pocket. Right. In another sense, it's very irrational because this isn't a market-based economy, and the number of dashers on the road at any given time is the number that DoorDash wants on the road at Great any point. given time. Great And if they want more, they'll call up more, and if they want less, they'll kick a whole bunch off or make it so you can't schedule. So so in another way it's completely and totally irrelevant to the market because
0: it's not the driver's choice.
1: Because it's not it's 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 not up to how many the number of drivers, the supply and demand for labor is is set in an artificial way in an artificial market. Right. Now I'm going to throw another way that it that the rivalry is logical again. It's logical in the fact that any of us that have been doing this for a long time or watching this industry for a long time feel the race to the bottom. It is very typical for drivers to think, and maybe and probably logically so, that it's the newbies, this constant flow of newbies into Uber and Lyft and DoorDash and Spark that keep accepting money losing offers and money losing trips and all that thing. And so they're taking me as a very selective experience gig worker and they're dragging me down because they keep rewarding gig companies for paying subminimum wage or even slave labor again so that's that's the argument for you know why that resentment is there is that logical again no it's not in terms of in terms of reality of ai because the system is set up to be that way. It has always been that way. Tipping behavior is set in the app. Tips and offers are doled out or served up by the app as opposed to being random or market generated. So one driver or a million drivers can't change the game. If a million newbies came on and all declined the $2 orders, would DoorDash start paying more? No, they right. wouldn't because because that's not, their system is not vulnerable to that kind of influence unless it was on a, a more massive scale than could ever be done. And, and, and again, gig work was set up as this, as this uh, class of labor, that could not organize and or unionize. Isn't that fun?
0: Right, seven eighths so, majority needed so, to unionize. So the
1: idea, the idea that somehow this labor force could come together and and rage against this gig app machine, it just can't happen. And so, so that that the word or the term I came up with when I started this research was the log outage. How do you beat these guys? How do you beat the gig economy? We all turn it off and take the app off our phone and we win. Mm. So this is, this is the really weird thing, right? Is that collectively humanity owns the ability to destroy the gig economy.
0: instantly. And it's also kind of frustrating because that existential truth is so easy to perform, but we keep but it's so impossible to achieve. It's like you can see it right there. It's like you've been walking through the desert for so long and you just and everybody knows that over at that oasis is water. Everybody knows, but no one believes it's there. You know, and everybody okay. is so That's why it can't be done with Jeff Thomas Black as
1: the leader or with with Tim Carter as the leader. Because organizing is not something that we as leaders, even if we had organizations, could do. You can't organize this amorphous, changing element called gig labor. Now, can we change an entire workforce behavior? Of course they can change, but they have to do it individually. Each one of us has to choose for our life, am I going to get fleeced and owned and gaslighted by an app on my phone? No, I'm not. I'm not going to do it. And as soon as you make that decision, you can make that decision for yourself. And, and that's why, boy, this is trite. Knowledge is power in terms of the gig economy. The gig economy is an illusion. My theory, my hope is that when we dispel this illusion with what the gig economy really is, which is abject humanoid exploitation on all levels, our markets our people our businesses everything our economies when we dispel this illusion then it's going to be like you know that this illusion that our that our you know italian hero looked great and we wipe the illusion away and it's a shit sandwich you're not going to eat the shit sandwich when the illusion goes away you wanted the italian hero the shit sandwich is no good the gig economy is not an italian hero it looks like one it's a shit sandwich that's what the gig economy is. And so people are going to get tired when they know that they're eating shit sandwiches and now they're figuring out why this Italian sandwich just never tastes right. They might not go back the next day for another shit sandwich. And, and so I do believe the gig economy will die because the fraud is so blatant that humanity will reject it. I do believe that. Now, will there be governments out of that 27 nations that DoorDash is in that don't kick it out, absolutely. The other thing that's happening is that you can private label this stuff. And I, I say in the book, any unscrupulous business owner or dictator or corporation could run a workforce or a population with DoorDash's AI. That's how powerful it is. If you put a smartphone in the hat in the hand of everybody in Malaysia, we could just run all of Malaysia's labor force through the DoorDash gig app, and that's what DoorDash would love. And they just want just a small percentage of all the, of the employment activity in, in Malaysia. So, so this is this is the challenge: is that private business owners? Uh, in the chapter I just published today, there's uh, the Nebraska University Stadium. Now, has DoorDash managing their food delivery from their vendors to your seat? So, those guys just welcome the vampire into their house because DoorDash is designed to exploit labor. Now, does the stadium director or owner or whoever makes those decisions know that they hired or that they bought a labor exploiting? AI.
0: That's exactly and what I was. I,
1: kinda, they that's, do, but probably maybe not the whole way.
0: That's because- what I was trying to say earlier when I was bringing up, um, you know, Walmart with last mile delivery, and even UPS now with last mile delivery. Is that you know they don't know that they're. Hi- I wonder. I wonder if they know whether or not that hiring DoorDash or hiring Uber Eats is not the same as hiring their their normal employees. That these randos are working so far behind in terms of lack of transparency and who actually gets the job and being punished for something arbitrary, like acceptance rate as to who gets that delivery. That's exactly where I was going. That's a great point. You know, bring some of your, you don't know who and why this person is getting to bring this food into your stadium as to where before you, you had someone and this was their nine to five jobs. They they had um, a set of credentials that you appreciated. They interviewed, they have a job and they're delivering to your customer base. And that's why your customer base is going to come back. You don't know anything about this person, how they got the job and how they're being exploited. Let me be clear. So, so the DoorDash system
1: is actually supporting the vendor, the stadium vendors in delivering to the seats. So this is all happening within the stadium, but on a DoorDash system. But here's, here's the deal. And, and, Software as a service.
0: So the delivery people are inside the
1: stadium? Right. So the stadium itself, the University of Nebraska Stadium, hired DoorDash or or bought DoorDash's AI, accessed DoorDash's AI to run their own delivery operation from concessions to seats, which sounds maybe a little bit innocuous, but it's not innocuous at all because the system was designed to exploit humans. It doesn't matter who owns it. It's still designed to exploit humans. If you give give it to a nice company, it's designed to exploit humans. If you give it to an evil company, it's designed to exploit humans. So when they adopt these systems and software as a service has known that, their play, like I said, and they're losing money on every order, their play is to get into our infrastructure, to get into our culture, to be part of every sports stadium, to be part of every city. DoorDash even says in their corporate state, st- statement, they want to be the logistics provider for every local community. They want, to, they want to absolutely cover our entire world with last mile delivery ants running around getting whatever compensation they're doling out. Uh, again, with without employees, without accountability, without without capital. transparency, transparency with the externalities like how long can this be allowed i can't the insurance industry alone if, if the insurance industry doesn't rebel against this uh, i know right now the insurance industry just turns down a lot of claims right they if if you're not using your insurance the right way if you didn't get business insurance if you're not on the right part of the delivery cycle or the right part of the of the last mile or of the uh ride-sharing cycle with one, with one of the ride-share companies, then you're not on their insurance. If you are on the right part of the cycle, then their insurance might cover you up to a small amount. For DoorDash, that happens from the time you pick up the food or the, the, the merchandise to the time you deliver it. That part of the time, DoorDash is partially covering you with their crappy insurance. All the rest of the time, when you're driving from home and you're between orders after you drop off the order and you're heading back to the, that's all on you DoorDash doesn't know you anymore right your contract is over and so you know the brilliance of the evil is to take out you know DoorDash. what if what if we put up on a whiteboard the entire day of risk for an employee and we could cut that risk down from eight hours to 30 minutes would we be geniuses yeah we would be and that's what they did yeah they cut down All of the business risk and all of the operational risk from an entire day to just fractions of time. And they also cut down the amount of labor they want to pay you for. They don't want to pay you for eight hours of being an employee. They want to pay you for three and a half hours of moving your own personal vehicle.
0: And they'll pay you by the hour now for doing that.
1: (laughs) Yeah, they sure will. Uh, you're Again, sitting in your car uh, for
0: 5 hours and we'll pay you for the 3 hours that you were moving.
1: Right. So this is this is where the song was written by uh by uh Oh, why can't I think of his last name? Jesse. Uh they'll pay you by the hour for a minute or so. Oh yeah. Uh, it's, it's a it's a song called Powerless. Jesse Jet. J-E-T-T is his last name. And it's called powerless. And that's in chapter three, I believe. Chapter so let me talk chapter- about
0: consumers for a second. Now I know that the apps, they look at us all as consumers, that you know, we're the the worker and the the person receiving the product. But am I wrong to think that even though it may be through ignorance that the person receiving the order that I'm just gonna call the consumer, the person that's ordering the food and receiving the food are complicit in this um, in this whole thing. Beca- and I'm, I'm going to give you a little background as to why I kind of think maybe they are. When I started doing uh, Rideshare in 2019, um, you know Portland was a growing town, a town on the move. And I really thought that for a while we might even rival Seattle in terms of growth. So we were getting a lot of people from the Bay Area, a lot of travelers up there looking to buy real estate, so on and so forth. So I was uh, being a native Oregonian, I was experiencing a lot of different people that I hadn't before. And so um, then at that time, I most of my rides were just people generally wanting to get from point A to point B, they were here for a short time, and they needed to accomplish something. Then somewhere during the pandemic, you know, now we've got the mask mandates and all these other things uh, that are coming into play that we have to enforce as drivers. Now, it went from about maybe one or two out of 10 people to about 6 or 7 out of 10 people that were really trying to push the boundaries of the service. You know what I mean? So they're they're trying to not wear their masks, you know, their kids are out of school so now they're bringing kids with no car seats in the car and wow. you know and of course everybody's under stress. And the same thing with food delivery, you know, they um you know they people trying to get food for free and tip baiting and so on and so forth. There's this thing now where More than half the time, I have to be on full awareness mode, 360, with my head on a swivel, trying to avoid some kind of shenanigan that the customer is trying to pull, exploiting the platform. So do you think um, that the, the passengers and the customers are complicit or just ignorant, or is there complicitness in ignorance?
1: All of the above. So here's the deal shit draws flies from everywhere it is a corrupt game system and consumers have figured that out as well consumers actually figured it out faster than the gig app workers themselves because consumers stick around and the gig app workers come and go really quickly right great point great point they're just cycling through this workforce so the gig app the gig app you call it institutional knowledge right that's what they call it in the company you know bill's been around for 30 years so whenever we have a question you can't remember the the safe combination you go to bill because bill's been in this company for 30 years bill knows everything okay that's called institutional knowledge and so in the gig economy you don't build any institutional knowledge probably the closest thing that we have is is gig app broadcasters like yourself or on youtube or whatever and And remember, these gig companies don't train us on purpose because they don't want any responsibility for our success or failure. So that's also built in. So so fraud is so built into this system that the consumers have figured that out. They know they're being gamed with dynamic pricing that depending on when they they order and how they order and what order they order in and what time they do it, that the price is going to change. So they know they're being gamed. They have a Bigger, they have a better picture of being gamed than the drivers do, than the, than the gig app workers do. The gig app workers are the most exploited. The, the, it's, it's, it's a tough competition. Merchants and restaurants are pretty exploited, too. But, but gig app players are really the most exploited. Consumers figured this out. And so are they using that? Yes, they are. But it's also built into the system that as these apps make suggestions of lower tips and make suggestions of lower prices and make suggestions of discounts and free this and free programs and and repeat customer programs like DoorDash calls their dash pass. As those things come in, all of those things are designed to lower the price to the consumer. And so as the price, the consumer gets lower, the price the 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 tipping behavior is going to get lower with that too and the gig apps want the tipping behavior to go lower because it costs them customers if they could get us to deliver for free every time they would be thrilled because we would not hurt their demand right now there's an elasticity of demand right for five dollars lots of people want a hamburger for twelve dollars not so many people want that hamburger so they want to sell a lot of $5 hamburgers not a lot of $12 hamburgers sure we're just a $5 hamburger that's that's what we are they're not going to give us $12 cuz we're a $5 hamburger now so so the gig companies are setting it's a setup nobody in particular can be blamed for going into a fraudulent system and behaving irrationally, number agreed. one, agreed, agreed. Okay, so so let's talk about shit drawing flies from a from a business perspective. In uh, my home, my former home hometown, if you will, of Portland, Oregon, where you live now, um, I happen to be in Bloomington, beautiful Bloomington, Indiana, by Indiana University right now. Uh, had a, a big story come out a few weeks ago about a ghost kitchen. And a ghost kitchen is another deception and and fraud of the gig economy is they added, they figured this out during the pandemic that if they put a couple other brands under the Denny's roof or under the IHOP roof that they could look like they have more restaurant choices than they do. So in the terms of the shit drying flies, Who took that to an extreme? Somebody in Portland, Oregon. A Portland, Oregon uh, company opened up a ghost kitchen with 75 brands under the roof.
0: Yep, I went there.
1: Many of them overtly sharing the same menu, Mm -hmm. just with different brands. (laughs) So there's a couple different points to this. uh, They get more hideous as we go along. So be excited. The first point is if there's 75 brands across the street and you're Tim's Deli and you do get coerced to being on DoorDash by, by essentially uh, extortion, because if you're not on DoorDash, then you're not in this market that all these downtown businesses are ordering lunch from. But now Tim's Deli is on with 75 other brands in downtown, in that downtown block and so you got a one in 76-ish chance of getting an order instead right. of let's say that they had one brand under a roof, like most restaurants do, instead of a one in two. That's pretty damn deceptive and pretty damn awful if you're an independent business owner. So DoorDash is absolutely and and all of them do this. Grubhub did this, Uber Eats does this, they all colluded to create these false businesses, and they even use the same names. So they're really colluding to prop up a brand that doesn't exist. Now here's where it gets even worse. Not only did they have this 75 restaurants under a roof, but the CEO uh, is an ex-con who uh, went to prison for raping and uh, imprisoning a 14 year old girl and his CFO is a disgraced ex-cop who was a meth head and fled to Florida on the run before going to prison.
0: And this is so happening in Portland?
1: That's that's the CEO and the CFO that jumped in bed with DoorDash to put in a 75-brand uh, ghost kitchen in downtown Portland. So why was it a disgraced meth head ex-cop and a child rapist that put this together? Because what legitimate business people... Would want to run a 75 rest a brand ghost restaurant scam in downtown Portland, their hometown where they know people, where they have a, a reputation, where they're gonna employ people. Who wants to get involved in that scummy business? Scum. Yeah. <laughs> so, so you know, this and by the way, the last I heard they're going bankrupt. So, so, so good for them. So, so this is the amazing thing about an inorganic and corrupt scheme is that once it starts out off on, on that foot, it's never gonna get legitimate. It's not gonna be legitimate for for merchants and restaurants, it's not gonna be legitimate for consumers, and it's certainly not a legitimate form of of employment of labor. And certainly not a legitimate form of employment of of, of contract labor. Right. So so this is just this is just the extent where it goes. This is why I say you scream out in horror because no matter which direction you turn DoorDash is in bed, and DoorDash is working with the worst, most market-polluting, despicable forces in the global economy.
0: If you're set out on your business model to circumvent the law to exploit loopholes, that's exactly what's it's going to be And it's just going to keep going, and it's out of control exponentially.
1: That's right. That's right. So it's a terrible realization, isn't it? That this that this horse got out of the barn and now we're looking at and again, now now we've got the app slaves lobbying to stay app slaves because yeah. they're comfortable being app slaves and they don't really know that they're app slaves.
0: Well shit, Jeff, it's their own business after all. So I mean Boy, that's that's what they tell each
1: other. And anybody that thinks that that being an independent contractor for a, for a gig app is their own business is is completely deluding themselves about what a business is and what risk reward is in a independent contractor relationship. Well, that's what got contracts are valid. How can, if they're not valid contracts, how can you have
0: a valid relationship? Well, that's what got me kind of rolling the ball on this. And I don't know that I would, I'm in a place yet where I would call myself an advocate. I aim for advocacy, but I was uh, a subcontractor in window coverings for, I mean, since probably, well, 2004, so 15, 16 years. And when I came, uh, Lyft was the first platform that I onboarded with. And I couldn't believe when they gave me the independent contractor moniker, everything that I had been stripped of. I mean, within 30 days, everything that I knew, I mean, it was mandated to me by the state of Oregon annually that I had to continually educate myself and prove that I had absorbed through testing, not just... What it meant to follow the law as an independent contractor, but how to advocate for myself as an independent. It wasn't all your bad. It was that, hey, you know, you can protect. There are avenues, there are people you can go see when, you know, when you, a contract has been breached. You had all these things that I knew as an independent contractor that were wonderful. And then I get behind the wheel with Lyft and it's like, what but I but I'm not racist. I didn't drink and drive. Where are all these people saying this about me? I've never been accused about that in my life the whole last 15 years that I've been contracting, I've been in people's houses installing thousands of dollars worth of material and not once did someone say I smelled like weed. Like and there was somebody to go talk to if they did. So that's what the whole independent contractor thing so this just is, This absolutely is absolutely blows this my is mind. The problem with gig
1: apps because because we're just we're just numbers in a gig app nothing means anything if an accusation comes in that you that that this number violated the terms of of their absurd independent contractor agreement they can they can just kick you off their platform or in the case of DoorDash i guess they kick you off the platform and keep the money that you've earned Uh, that they still have in their, in their coffers.
0: And it goes to what you said that people that only happens because they don't know what they didn't come from a business ownership or independent contract. They don't know what they're getting into. Well, and, and consumers, you know, unfortunately
1: people will do a lot of things to get over on a corporation and to get over and to get some free stuff. And they don't necessarily think that they're probably screwing the independent contractor as much as maybe they think they're screwing Doordash and Red Robin.
0: Right. Right. But
1: but the fact is, to get if you know if they have to say the driver smelled bad to get a couple free hamburgers, I don't know. You know, there's a certain percentage of people that are going to do it, and if that costs you your gig app, they're never going to know. You're just an anonymous, you know, delivery drone to them. And so again. This is this is how gig apps break the world. Every part of human interaction that is that is in an organic market and that includes tipping behavior by the way, everything in an inter- in an organic market is broken in a gig app. Including human behavior and human incentives. Right? We all start getting the incentive to game the game. And if we can't game the AI, I guess we game each other.
0: Right. And it, it, there is somebody gets a disproportionate amount of leverage either way, but it always flows in favor of the company or the consumer. The 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 driver or the worker, very very rarely, even when they can prove demonstrably that they were correct, do they ever have a disproportionate amount of leverage against the the platforms?
1: We're all meaningless. If you've if you've driven for two years flawlessly, they will kick you off the app in the same way that they kick somebody off the app that's done one day. sure, It doesn't matter. And by the way, DoorDash, DoorDash and these other companies too, I'm gonna to speak mostly about DoorDash because that's the one I've researched so in depth. There are no human beings to talk to. Yeah, If you have a problem, so who you will talk to is contractors. You will never in your life speak to a person that works for DoorDash, not if you're a consumer, and not if you're not if you're a uh, gig app laborer. If you're a restaurant, they've got people that are gonna speak to you about your business because that's a very involved technical systems thing, right? They want a percentage, they want a sure. really big percentage, 15, 25, or 30 percent plus another 6% of, of your gross transactions. So they wanna talk to you. Now the rest of us, consumers and and gig app laborers are just inconsequential, completely. So, so anybody that a consumer or a gig app labor ever talks to will be a third party. That means if DoorDash has a thousand dollars of your money and you can't get it, you're never going to talk to anybody with accountability that can tell you what's going on and why and solve your problem. Absolutely never, right. Never, ever. I've done it. I've been in this situation. I have dogged these people for six months on end, all hours of the day, without ever being turned over to a real DoorDash employee and that was involving money that was mine and payroll that should have been processed correctly by that company so to to say that that there is no recourse and no protection for consumers and and laborers is is a gross understatement we are completely <laughs> without a net in every way shape and form and that again do we want corporations major corporations in america completely devoid of accountability and even the ability to contact the company right you you, there's no connection as a consumer between your service your product and the company anymore and you'll never get to That's that's a really really terrifying model in terms of customer service and quality. And again, that's that's what you see with the gig economy and why the gig app laborers get a bad reputation is because the gig economy is built upon sending untrained, inexperienced, ignorant people out into the world with a phone and a car to do the best they can. Because and the no recourse. Can- because the best they can is good enough for Uber and it's good enough for Lyft and it's good enough for DoorDash and Grubhub. The best they can may not be good enough for this human or the human getting the food, but the best they can is that receipt not being canceled out in the system. That's good enough. And and DoorDash absolutely goes by that, by that theory, as do the other gig apps, is that we're just commodified widgets whether a consumer whether whether we're a, a driver and they want widgets to work well but if a widget doesn't work well you just toss it out and grab another widget we will never have any value in this system to anyone unless you think that the data engineers and marketing people and executives uh somehow care about you and think about you which i assure you they don't
0: that thing that you brought up about you know you're talking to a contractor. I just did a video on that about you know Uber driver support and everything, and that that is my biggest pet peeve. Uh, is and it's one of the things that I think most workers, laborers, don't understand about these gig apps is that you know that that contractor is not there to help you. They're there to basically take dictation to protect the companies. You know, your the outcome of your problem is inconsequential to them at all. I mean, it's you. You They're know, not losing.
1: empowered. It's not their fault. They're not empowered to do that's,
0: anything. That's true too. Yeah, and 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 that's and that's by design, of right. course. They yeah. So to the, it leaves you in this awkward space of limbo. Again, you can look at that as part of that uh, that nebulous ecosystem that is so controlled, right? And uh, and there's just there's no way out of it. You once you are in that system, you, you are completely trapped. And anything that can help you is outside of that system, but it doesn't exist because it's not a part of the ecosystem.
1: Right. And 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 again, since they built this industry on black box AI, nobody can even point to a cause or to a rule or anything else. It just happens. Right. <laughs> it just it just happens. Yeah. I went and did this thing. And I did the thing and this happened. So here's an example that, that is real tangible. I learned in researching, and you can do it too. You can go on DoorDash engineering blog and watch all kinds of, of uh tech talks from their data science and engineering of how they build the system and how they have everything that they do. So one of the things in the engineering blog that will prove to you that you're not an independent contractor and you're not getting fair treatment is that. DoorDash did an engineering blog on how they work the famous uh, closed restaurant system. And there's there's a guy named Uber Lyft Phoenix on on YouTube. I don't know if you've heard of him. Yeah. But he became very well known because after being a very experienced, this guy drives like 16 hours a day, seven days a week and then goes on vacation three three months a year. or something yeah, He's a glutton for punishment. He's he's a pro. Right. So this guy. Uh, Uber Lyft Phoenix marked a restaurant as closed and he was notified by DoorDash electronically. Of course, by AI, of course, not by a human being, he was terminated or picked off the platform because they said he falsely reported a closed restaurant.
0: And he, they kept a, st- a substantial amount of money. They didn't
1: kept they? all $1,700 of that pay. Yeah. Which is amazing, right? And there wasn't even anybody, and he still doesn't have it back, and he got his 1099, and they, they reported it on his 1099, too.
0: So, so Wait a minute, hold better. on. Whoa, so wait, he has to pay taxes on that money that That's he right. didn't yeah. get paid? They, they included it on his
1: 1099. Now, let, let me go further into this story, because it's. <laughs> even, it, Sorry. it gets better. It's it not funny. But... That's what it this This never stops. So, Let's talk about how this system works that sent him to this closed restaurant. Now, I don't know about you. I've I've been in small retail, groceries, and things like that before in my life. And sometimes you're the only one working and you gotta go to the bathroom and you put a sign on the door that says, you know, close until 11, you know, it's 1110. You say close until 1115, you know, be right back. It's very easy for that to happen. And no, there's nothing in the system that notifies DoorDash. Effectively, that you're closed for five minutes because you got to go to the bathroom. So let's for for his sake, because I believe this guy, he pulls up to a restaurant, he reports it as closed. Okay. So what happened next? In DoorDash's system, DoorDash has an entire heuristics, an entire tree of, of calculations and, and algorithms that now analyze this and decide: do they want to accept this? This transmission from from Uber Lyft Phoenix's smartphone that this that this restaurant's closed and they make us if nobody's done gig out they, they usually have you take a digital photo and you got to send it in with it so I don't know if you show a dark window or whatever they they say yeah that looks like a closed restaurant I guess from the photo so let's it easily could have been that he pulled up to a restaurant that was temporarily closed. There was confusion in some way. But how does DoorDash treat this? In DoorDash's system, they can either accept his word for it and say, okay, we're going to mark this as closed for X number of minutes or seconds or orders or whatever. We're going to try and call this restaurant with a service person and see, are you closed? Are you open? Right? They'll have a contractor do that. Some, a lot of times, the person in the bathroom doesn't answer the phone, right? If they could answer the phone, they wouldn't have been closed for five minutes. Sure. So what do they do? This is, this is the best part. This is the proof. This is the absolute proof. They send another Dasher to that same restaurant with an order that they know is marked as closed. They are using, they're wiping their butt with somebody's time and labor as a corporation because they just want to see if the restaurant's really closed or not.
0: So the he reports that it's closed. they sent somebody there to go check up on him with another ping. I'm
1: not saying that happened. I'm saying that is how DoorDash Engineering has designed this system. Is the, that one the of
0: algorithm the,
1: One of the options in the system is to send another driver to verify it. And so they send another driver to check and see if it's closed or not because nobody's answering the phone. So you free labor. That is what they're using. They're using free labor because at most, when they send a second driver to that system, instead of whatever they promised that driver in the in the in in the independent contract, right? You're now going to be offered if you mark that restaurant as closed. Now you have to take your time to call support. Right. And say that restaurant's closed. I want half pay.
0: Mm-hmm. So
1: now rest doordash is now getting their double check on the closed restaurant for giving you the rube that they sent there for nothing half pay which who knows what that is now i guess that could be a dollar 25 or a dollar and 12 cents. who knows but this is the proof of the system that they're not doling out valid independent contracts they're using labor free labor for free right okay and you you, you know I have this link. You can go look at their own tech talk and see how they do it. So, yeah, if you're telling yourself you're an independent contractor, I don't know. Like, if you're an independent contractor, would you go to Phoenix to do a roof if the roof was in Dubuque, Iowa? I mean, it just doesn't make... I don't think that's a good contract right. if they send you to Phoenix. And, you well,
0: think and check this out, too. Phoenix,
1: and then they offer you a few bucks because, sorry, we should have sent you to Dubuque. Well, I mean, this is... This is not how humans have agreed to use each other in labor situations. You're not allowed to hire somebody at a grocery store and send them out for an errand and the place was closed and say, I'm not going to pay you. You I I guess they are closed. I just won't pay you because you weren't in the store for that hour. If you send somebody out on an errand, they're getting paid as an employee to go
0: do this errand. Well, let me piggyback on that example really quick because that same thing just happened to me this past weekend. I was in line- at, at a restaurant. And when I got to, uh, the, uh, the order thing, I was told that somebody had just picked up my orders. Matter of fact, it yes. was the carbon. Okay. So I went through the exact same thing, but later on that night, because like you said, I didn't call because there's a, there's a selection on the Uber eats app that just says order has been picked up already. So I just chose that and moved on with my day. I didn't call. You didn't uh, know
1: that they did that to you on purpose, did you?
0: Well, I didn't know that, which is great. But also, I got a message later on saying, hey, we think you stole that order. And I just actually got an email. I I chased him down on that one because I, I don't like being accused of, of stuff that I didn't do. I, I got that corrected. But they had the audacity after to, to say that I stole the order when it was the guy that was right in front of me that stole the order. I mean – So yeah. So then that, and then you, you get, you get penalized on top of being used for your free labor is what I'm getting at. Right. And, and so, so people,
1: people have actually said to me, dashers have said to me, well, no, if, if they, if they knew, why would they send me $2 and 25 cent offers? Because, because they, you know, if they know I'm going to refuse them, because that's what they know you're going to do. They're annoying you. They're gaslighting you. They're setting you up with expectations of, 4 two dollar and twenty five cent orders that you reject in a row, and you become so desperate, then you accept a five dollar order when before you were going to hold out for a seven dollar offer. So everything that they do is playing you. And I'll give you an example of mine. And and I, you know, this is I can't prove it, but I know it to be true. I think Bill Maher does that on his on his show that I don't see. Uh, we have a home center here in Indiana. Uh, that's that's quite close and it's, it's a regional independent I have been sent to uh, this regional home center three different times uh, dashing in Bloomington all three I walked entirely through this store to the back of this door which is about a good hundred yards after walking a hundred yards in their parking lot to get to the, to the contractor's desk where DoorDash picks up orders only to have the contract desk look stupefied, pick up the phone, call other people, and tell me that the order had already picked up. Now, that didn't just happen the first time I went to Menards. That happened the second time DoorDash sent me to Menards. And it happened the third time that DoorDash sent me to Menards. And when I called... And when I called uh, support, they said, oh, well, somebody else picked up the order that happened. They said, no, it doesn't happen. This is this this is three times I've been sent to Menards, only to be told that the contractor says, so knowing what I know now, what was DoorDash doing? I guess parking my ass in the cold seat is what they were doing, I guess. You know, they have the ability, if they want to slow down the system, there's too many dashers on the road, they can just all route us to restaurants that are further from our starting point for offers rather than closer. They can just increase the distance. They have every single tool in the universe, in their universe, available to manipulate what happens. There is no possible way, three Menards orders in a row, were all picked up by another DoorDash driver when I got to Menards within three minutes of getting the order. It didn't happen. Okay. So the DoorDash system uses labor for free. It enslaves people. It forces and coerces independent contracts that are money losing, which is by definition slavery.
0: Well yes. and again to your point and using kind of a similar example I can't tell you how many times that I've been two or three rides or orders away from hitting a bonus. Right. And then all of a sudden, the rides just die. And I was, you know, paying after paying after paying after paying for hours or even a couple of days right up until I get yep. to 48 out of 50 and then nothing so, so, they, it's, so you
1: know that, of course, you know now that every Uber and Lyft driver has has hit this same bullshit.
0: Well, that's thing, right, and that's this what is, I'm saying is like this is it, a common
1: the, phenomenon. The that old saying, yeah, can give, they can give you any goal they want, and make sure you either hit it or don't hit it.
0: Well, and it's just like the old, you know, fifty million Elvis fans can't be wrong. It can, it, it, like you said, three times to that place. It can't. It happens so many times that there's no way it's a coincidence. There's no way. Well, it's and we know
1: it's not because every Uber and Lyft driver I've ever talked to that's done one of their promotions has said the same thing, that they got sure. close on one of these things where they were going to get an X number of $100 bonus or whatever, and they couldn't get the last three rides within the deadline. This right. is just This is just typical. Because again, let's go back to why was this AI system developed and who was it developed by? It was developed by a corporation to exploit human beings. That's it. Yep. It was not developed by a corporation to pay human beings to give human beings livable incomes, to give human beings fair labor. It wasn't designed for any of those things. It wasn't designed to help local economies. It wasn't designed as a logistics layer. It was designed by a corporation to profit off of human exploitation, period, end of story.
0: And the irony of it all is that the foundation of the business businesses are based on the fact that no laws exist to regulate them. So normally Correct. when you enter into a business, you're entering into a contract of regulation with your municipality. Right. Their business model is to circumvent and use loopholes to as the foundation for their business.
1: Right. And they have the app slaves now... In a high percentage advocating to stay app slaves. Right. <laughs> that's oh gotta admit so I mean, frustrating. It's, it's well, so we gotta break that illusion. That's that's really that is really the only answer. The systems can't be fixed. We can't make corporations not psychopaths, we can't make Tony Sue not a piece of shit. We can't <laughs> do any of those things. We cannot use these systems, and businesses have to look in the mirror too and say is this a valid contract I signed with with Uber Eats, with DoorDash, with Grubhub? Is this a valid contract I signed for 25% plus 6% commissions on everything I do? Are they a fair employer of labor? Are they a fair business partner for me if they're putting ghost businesses out to compete with me on their platform? So, I mean, my argument, and I'm not a lawyer, but I'll play one on YouTube. Um, this is not legal advice. It's just Jeff's pissed off. <laughs> no, it's every single contract for one of these gig app companies should be invalid. None of them run a legitimate business. Period. So, so you know, honestly, if a regulator or if a, if somebody with with power really ever stepped up in any of these economies and looked at it, they would put this thing out of business overnight because they would realize it's a parasite that's going to kill them. This This will kill labor. And that's the point of my book. This isn't the end. This is the beginning of the end of labor as we know it. And if we buy into it, if we all give up our jobs to become free, independent contractors working for AI, you've never been less free. I assure you, you've never been less free
0: i have two more questions i could talk to you forever um but i this one's kind of hard and you can i'm gonna actually give you the option to opt out of this question if you want Uh Um, so uh
1: my risk never gets reduced i like this
0: are are gig tubers good for gig workers yes or no and why or why not Yes,
1: because gig apps exist. This is the world we live in today. If yeah, Since we can't snap our fingers and make it all disappear, this is the world that we have to live in. It's realistic today. There are people who pay their rent and child support and buy their food and everything else off, off their net income. Even if it's sub-minimum wage income, it's still above zero, right? Mostly, hopefully. So what the gig tubers tend to do or the YouTube content creators, I think I usually refer to them as, they give a lot of tips and tricks. They give some enthusiasm, some support, some companionship, uh, some empathy to the journey. So I think in general, all of that, Fills a void that the gig companies left on purpose by never training or giving any information to allow their their uh, independent contractors to be successful at the tasks they're going out. So nothing is nothing is monolithic here. On that side, the the YouTube content creators are or TikTok uh, some on Twitter, some on you know any different platform that's a really great thing that they're providing for this community. And they have built communities, which is why they want this status quo. They've got these communities, they've got the status quo. They believe they basically understand how it works. And so as human beings, that makes us want to stay right there. But the upshot is it doesn't work how they think it works. And so most of the content creators are driving around in their cars, entertaining people and smelling their own gas mm-hmm. and probably making as much or more money off of content creation than they are off of being a gig app independent contractor, because this is, this has become a sub industry industry. In and of itself, and it's also like everything else. We're people. It's ego involved, right? We're performing. We're out there. We like sharing. We like being funny. All of those things are helpful. Spectacle. Yeah, and 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 none of that is. I like writing because I love it when people read what I write. I like I like, like getting on here and speaking because I like to share my passion for this. So we're not shaming somebody for want to, wanting to share their thoughts and be on camera. The problem is most of them are grossly incorrect about what's happening, and they believe they're influencing what they're not, so their advice isn't good, They're advising people to be part of this program and that program and go after this promotion and that promotion and do this and do that, when in reality, since there are no metrics and no standards, those things are all vaporware. Those things don't exist. If 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 I give you a goal that you'll never reach, it's not a real goal. It might get you to move, but it's not a real goal. Sure. And an example of that, a very simple example, is any gig app has hot zones where it highlights areas when you're not being paid, when you're not on their clock for that fraction of time. It highlights where you could go next if you want to, you know, get your next independent contract. Well, guess what? (laughs) Those aren't real. That's not the real world. It's not really busy there because it's lunchtime. That's a simulation. And it's not even the same simulation for you as it's me. It might send me to Southwest Portland and send you North Portland, completely different directions because nothing is real. There are no rules. I can show you hot zones that aren't hot zones. I can send you to a hot zone that's a cold zone because I want you just to sit in a parking lot and not see a whole bunch of activity. It never ends. This is this is inviting a vampire into your house. You're never getting it out. It's the whole it's the whole to this end of the earth. It's 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 you will never get to the bottom of it. The only thing, the only answer for humanity is the log outage. It's to it's for all humanity. It's for all businesses. It's for all consumers. It's for all laborers to log out of these gig apps and never log back in. Or we can become slaves to technology and the world will end in somewhere around three years. I don't know. 50 50, right? How are sure. we going to decide? I mean, and so the, 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 I'll plug, I'll plug Full Dash Closure, Awakening from the Human Exploitation of DoorDash Singularity. I just published chapter four on Substack today, and it's a doozy. And let me tell you, in that chapter is a very credible, knowledgeable person who gives a credible prediction that we'll all be dead within three years because of AI. Now, I'm not going to dwell on that. That's not how I want to think and go about this, because I want to believe that we have the empowerment to get away from these AIs, to turn it off, to not let us be controlled. But I'm one person. You're one person. We're all, you know, getting the entire world to to follow our plan is a rough go. So, I don't know. This is, this is a really scary thing and people need to read full dash closure with, with open eyes before they participate in this gig economy in any way, shape or form, because you might be doing yourself in, you might just be committing, uh, cannibalistic capitalism instead of predatory capitalism. And It might just end us. And, and I, man, I wish that was hyperbole. I wish that was just, you know, a horror film. It's not, it's not.
0: Let me ask you one last question and then let's promote. Yeah. Promote everything that you've got, let everybody know where they can find you. And I'm definitely going to leave links um, all over this video. So I I definitely, you know, I put out a video recently saying that I, I, I put your works right up there with Alex Rosenblatt who wrote Uberland. I think that those, I think that those two books need to be read before anybody goes into the gig economy, if I had my way, for sure. Uh, My last question is, give me some positives that, that you took away from your experience as a gig worker and possibly some, if possible, some existential positives moving forward. I think that's an easy one.
1: We are a workforce that exists. We are human beings. We have relationships with each other. We have music we have intelligence, we have empathy, we care for each other, we share a community of people that have labored in some very difficult jobs under very difficult circumstances. We can come together if we choose to. We, we, we absolutely can come together as human beings and leave AI out in the cold, and that is within our power. So to me, that's a reason that I still wanna get up in the morning and I still want a future for my adult children. Uh, is that I want to believe, I have to believe, that we can still walk away from the thing that's trying to kill us. I really, really need to (laughs) believe that. And I hate to say need to, because now, now we could accuse me of deluding myself. And if there's anything I try not to do in the book, it's bullshit anyone, including myself. It's called full dash closure because... It tells everything that I got to tell. I'm holding nothing back from anybody. There are no secrets. If you want to know something, I'll tell you. Uh, so that is the positive: is that we were here before the pandemic, before the rise of the gig apps, before the rise of the of the Uber and Lyft. There were taxis. There were town cars. There were delivery services. There were courier services. There were a whole bunch of ways that people got these things done since 99% of retailers and 85% restaurants never in the history of our country had delivery prior to the pandemic. So if everybody in the economy could get along without these parasitic killers of humanity prior to the pandemic, we can most certainly do it now. We existed before, we will exist after, unless we let it exist after us. And that's the choice we have to make. Do we want to defeat AI gig apps or do we want them to defeat us? Because it's one or the other. You can't play their game and win. It's only a losing game.
0: Promote your book again, promote your podcast and tell everybody where they can find you all over the internet. Right on. Uh, the book is Full-Closure dash and my name is Jeff Thomas Black. And if you put either
1: or both of those things into your Google uh, or whatever other search engine you use with or without chatbot enablement you will find me uh the book is being published in digital form on substack as i finish it as well as other articles uh that go along with it as i create the content it's it's an iterative process because i'm learning every single day about this amorphous moving blob that's trying to kill us just as i'm writing every single day about this this is this is a moving space uh AI and chatbots have now crept into the picture in the last few months so everyone is talking about this space but they're not talking about mostly the gig apps and the gig app workers because we're kind of the forgotten people we're the labor force that they don't want to hire they don't want to look at they really don't even want to know we exist again that's why this that's why they chose us for the scam they chose us on purpose they chose our workforce because they knew they could screw us, and nobody would scream bloody murder. You can't screw middle-class people and wealthy people without them screaming bloody murder and going after their attorneys. These guys put together an in- independent contractor agreement where we can't even have—we uh, can't even have uh, legal cases that are that are joined together. We, we my, I'm thinking so much about the book. Uh, what do you call that? The the legal cases uh, class actions. Sorry, oh. sorry, people. Yeah, so, so part of our independent contractor agreement that we sign means that says that we, we give up our right to class actions. So we can't even form together, not just to unionize or as power, we can't form together to even hold these folks accountable. They made sure that they chose the most powerless people, most powerless workforce, and made them even less powerless than they were before. So So we need to look after ourselves. We need to realize that nobody out there, not not politicians, not regulators, not these companies will save us and join together. Uh, Again, you can find it on Substack. You can find the Full Dash Closure audiobook and podcast. I read you the book and I also give you other content. On Apple Podcasts, on Substack, on Google Podcasts, Audible, Amazon, uh, the uh, Spotify and Anchor, you can find the Full Dash Closure audiobook and podcast, and listen to it while you're driving around, uh, and learn what's going on because really our only protection against this, the only thing that's going to save us individually, not because there's a great leader or a great union leader or a great president or anyone else. It's going to be, we're the heroes that are going to save ourselves. You, Tim, have to save yourself. I have to save myself. Every gig app worker is isolated a market of one and you got to save yourself and saving yourself is not by playing a computer and a losing game every day.
0: Ladies and gentlemen, go find him wherever you can. Support his works, please. Jeff, you are one of my favorite people. Thank you so much for having this conversation, hey, and please blood. let's let's stay in touch and uh, have a safe winter. And uh, I'm going well, go to go get this.
1: I hope to visit Portland, Oregon, soon, and I will. Uh, I have lots of family back in Oregon, and I hope to be visiting you uh, fairly soon too. Dinner uh, is to
0: Dinner is on day. me. You've done a lot for my channel, and I sincerely appreciate it. I, I would love to sit down with you.
1: My pleasure. I, I love your content. You go with a sense of humor and a sense of, uh, of you, you teach in a way that is, that is very uh, fun to watch. So I
0: really enjoy your work. Thank you, Tim. Awesome. Thank you. Have a great rest of your night and uh, we'll talk soon. You betcha. Thank you, everyone. I wish to send many thanks to Jeff Thomas Black and links to his works are listed below. Please seek him out and support him if you can. If you have feedback about the interview or the channel, please reach out on the hotline or the email. Thank you so much for watching.